Welcome to the new episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siskin, the Associates. Excited to be back. We're monstered up, ready to go today. We're taping in late afternoon Monday. Been a busy, busy day. Added another SEC school to Quick U today, so it's already been a great day. Uh, but we're going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the NFL draft, uh, which occurred this past weekend. Uh, we'll kind of recap that, everything that went on. I uh, want to talk about some NCAA rule changes. And then, of course, we got more NIL drama. Uh, I do want to warn everybody, I have been notified by some buddies that I say the words okay on here a lot. I'm hot. I'm ready to go. I got some juice today. So uh, if you're playing the drinking game that every time I say okay, uh, that you have to take another drink, you better go get you a couple more beers because it's going to be a long episode uh, when it comes to me saying okay. Uh, make sure you don't drive after you listen. Uh, if you're playing a drinking game, because we're fisting to get with it. So sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. All right, let's talk a little bit about the uh, draft recap. Trayvon Walker, I guess, uh, solved all the mysteries, became the number one pick in the draft from Georgia. Uh, was very uh, good player. I mean, he is a good player. He really made the pick uh, during the combine and really worked out. Did well, ran well, big guy, long uh, and a good player. So, I mean, he shot up the draft boards as high as you could shoot all the way to number one. So, uh, congrats to him. That was a great pick uh, for them, I guess, what they needed. Uh, heard on Thursday, right before the draft, um, that there was some, and I heard this from as about as good of a source as you could get, um, that he was really, there was some indecision going on late, late, late uh, into the draft, going up leading into the draft, whether they were going to take him or Evan Neal. Uh, but they decided to go. And then, of course, they got to come out and say, oh, there was no indecision. We knew where we were going the whole time. So I don't believe that. I do think there was some indecision. I know that the coaches wanted offensive line, front office wanted uh, Trayvon Walker in the front office one. So that's where he goes. And as soon as it gets started, here we go. And to me, and I, I tweeted this out uh, Thursday night in the draft, so hopefully you follow along a little bit, but I thought the Giants probably did about as good of a job at five and seven as humanly possible. You know, they got Kayvon Thibodeau with five. They go get Evan Neal with a seventh pick in the draft. And, guys, arguably you could sit here and say that they got the best offensive player and the best defensive player uh, in the draft at five and seven. Uh, at the end of the day, you were going into the draft for weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't think there's any question about Kayvon Thibodeau as far as uh, what kind of talent he is. There was this question on does he love football and things like that, and um, I think that's why he slipped. I don't know. I've never talked to the kid. I've never been around him. I guess he's not a kid anymore, but he's a baller. I can tell you that. So they got two great picks, and Evan Neal, I don't know why in the world he would fall. Uh, the dude can play, but he did fall late, and for whatever reason, I have no idea. But they probably got two Pro Bowl guys as long as they can stay healthy and go at five and seven, and I don't know if you could do it any better than that. One of my favorite things about the first round, you know, we talked about the Giants, but the Ravens sat there with the 14th and 25th pick. And we talked about this, about watching the tape and all that stuff. We went on and on about that in the last couple of weeks leading up in the draft. And they basically uh, said to the hell with a combine because they go and they take Kyle Hamilton with a 14th pick, which is a safety out of Notre Dame. And he was widely regarded as one of the top DBs, if not the top DB. Uh, and by far the best safety prospect in the draft. But he goes and he runs a 4-5-9 at the combine. Everybody's like, oh, he's slow. Guys, look, two things. 
And this is where coaching and personnel worlds collide. And, you know, a lot of these picks, the front office has control of what goes on. The coaches are more suggesting because a lot of times the front office stays in place with coaching changes. And so they're the people that have to be there, you know, usually over multiple head coaches. And so the front office kind of gets their say more than the head coach. Now, you do have some organizations that you always hear about coach wanting total control. And that's, you know, New England, places like that where the coaches, this is who we're picking. But those aren't very many organizations that do that. Um, so it was very unusual for – I really was really surprised at what they did. And you could tell that the coach had at, at the Ravens, so Harbaugh has a ton of influence in what goes on uh, with Baltimore's front office. Because from a coaching standpoint, a guy that runs a four five nine. Okay, you can go look at all these other numbers and say, yeah, he's not as fast as the other guy. But there's this little thing called instincts. And when you get an instinctive player that can get moving before the other guy, he ends up being faster than guys that are that are four fours, four threes, because he reacts faster. So you got he knows what's going on and he can move. And so these instinctive players, like you look at, you know, the honey badger, Matthew, Matthew, whatever, Tyron Matthew. He is unbelievable because he's the most instinctive player there is out there. I mean, he that's why he's hes not a blazer. He's just in, extremely instinctive, and you can move faster because your reaction time, you, you can react and know what's going on before the other guy. And that's why instincts are so important. And coaches pick that up more than front office people. Um, and so that's where you see the two worlds collide right there. And then the last one, which was my favorite one, and we talked about him on the podcast last week, week before, uh, was uh, Tyler Linderbaum. He was getting shot down. This guy is by far the best inside prospect, offensive line prospect in the draft, guaranteed pro bowler. But he gets docked probably from a top 10 pick all the way to, the very, to pick number 25 because he has short arms. You know, center, you can get away with it a little bit. But on top of that, it's not like he was playing, you know, NAI football. This guy was playing in the Big Ten against, I mean, that's O-line, D-line heaven. So he, he dominated big competition with shorter arms for a long time. The problem would already shown up. If it, if the short arms were a problem with the talent and the people that he plays against, it would have already shown up. And some guys are just built like that. So congrats to them, what they did. And another thing they did is they had a ton through, through trading back and things. I think they had like six picks in the fourth round, and they're really able to stack the roster. And so I was really impressed with what they did um, in the draft uh, overall. All right, we'll go ahead and talk about the quarterback situation. I probably should have led with this, but I stuck it, I buried it down here in the middle of everything. So to act like I really wanted to talk about some other things. The Steelers taking Kenny Pickett with the 20th pick was a telltale sign for me. Uh, I've talked about him the whole time. I thought it was a first round quarterback. I've never wavered off that. More importantly, it's who took him. So they share the same facility. If he if the Steelers, if he was available for the Steelers, at pick 20, which he was, and they didn't take him, that would have thrown up some red flags for me if I was with another team. Because you see the guy every day. You know exactly what he's about. He's in your town. You're not hiding anything. By them taking him over every other quarterback, that tells me a lot. So I'm very excited to see where he goes um, because they definitely believe in him. They know more about him. Uh, than any other team probably combined. And very excited for that to happen for him. Uh, but that that really said something to me, considering they share the same building 
in the same town. They know everything about the kid. You know what's going on, and you still make the pick with all those other guys on the board. And then we get to the other quarterbacks. Um, I am so glad there is still hope in the NFL draft. Uh, I was very concerned that we were not watching film. And I was like, we're watching guys and routes on air because all this talk about these guys getting taken way up the board. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to watch the film. And sure enough, come draft day, didn't matter about all the talk. They all they skipped a whole round. The second quarterback wasn't taken until the third round. Um, and that was when uh, Ritter was taken by the Falcons. The Cincinnati quarterback was actually the second off the board of the Falcons. Uh, the Titans take Willis uh, in the third round. And then Matt Corral uh, drops all the way to the end of the third round with the Panthers. They actually trade up and get him uh, in the third round. And, look, I'm still going to war with Matt. I know Matt. Um, there was a lot of uh, rumors floating around. Uh, I'm not going to get into those. I think other people tried to do it. I think other people um, couldn't confirm the rumors, and I'm not getting into them. Uh, but at the end of the day, Matt's got his opportunity, and it doesn't matter what anybody says now. Okay, He's on the Panthers. He's got a chance to uh, go win the job, and now he's got to go do it because all this draft talk and all of the where are we going to go and who's going to be – you're with the Panthers. Sam Darnold's the starter. You have to go take his job. That's that's the end of the day. That's what it's about from here on out because the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. Um, he's extremely talented. Um, I like his chances. I think he's going to do a good job because I think they believed in him enough to take him. And if you go back and watch his pro day, Matt Rule is standing right behind his ear the entire time. So there was no question about were they interested. They had the entire organization there, and Matt Rule was standing right behind him. I think that's a great fit for Corral. I'm going to say since I said Matt Rule and Corral, I'll, and Matt Corral, I'll call it Corral and Rule. I think it's a great fit for Corral because Matt Rule is a college guy and has been in college, and he understands the mentality and what they do offensively and with quick release. I think it's a good fit. So I'm excited to see uh, what he does there. And like I said, it doesn't matter from here on out. He's got a shot, go get it. It doesn't matter where you're drafted. The only thing that matters is what his signing bonus is, and the rest of it is nothing's guaranteed besides his, besides his signing bonus. He has to go play now. So let's go get it done, and, and I'm excited to see what he does uh, come the fall. All right, last thing about the draft, and I couldn't, couldn't uh, go without saying this, was all the misinformation given to these experts was a thing of beauty. Um, I was laughing very hard. Uh, I saw Todd McShay go on this whole deal about how the Giants were never going to pick Kevon Thibodeau because of how bad the interview was. I mean, he was just going on and on about how bad this interview was, and he's not a fit, and they didn't like him. And then about the time he said that, it was like the pick is in. And it was just these teams were throwing smoke screens to all these guys, and it's a thing of beauty, man. It was, it was very entertaining. I probably got as much uh, entertainment about all the experts being wrong and all the mock drafts being wrong as I did the actual draft itself. So uh, keep an eye on that. It'll be interesting how those relationships are mended moving forward. All right, we're going to shift gears right here. We're going to hit to the NCAA rule changes. Wow, I don't even know where to start. So Mark Emmert, who is the uh, head of the NCAA, announced that he was uh, going to step down July of, I guess that's 23, or until they find a replacement. But on his way out, before he goes, he has formed the uh, NCAA Transformation Committee that's made up of him and an, an executive group of university presidents. 
that's problem number one. So we're going to have a transformation committee of what's going to go on in sports with people who have never coached or played sports. All right. That's a good, that's a good start. All right, here we go. So that's problem number one. So here, here, here's where, um, here's where we're at. The NCAA wants uh, a future where rules and the burdens of those rules are shifted to the conferences. And all they want to do is hold their championships. They want to hold the, uh, NCAA tournament for sure, because that's their biggest moneymaker. It's not even football. It's the NCAA basketball tournament. But they want to hold their championships, and they want to collect their check, but they don't want any of the responsibility. Last year when that court case came out, with the NIL court case came out and hammered them, uh, they got stung a little bit. So they want all the, all the litigation to go to the conferences. And so what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to – let, let basically the, the the individual conferences make rules and govern themselves. And they're going to have a couple of guidelines, um, but they're going to let the individual conferences come up with a majority of the rules. Um, so here, here's some things that have been proposed. Okay. And I just, I shook my head on a couple of them. All right. So the first one was removing the cap on sports that offer partial scholarships. Okay. So let's talk about men's baseball. All right, men's baseball, most schools, are, I think it's 11.7, 11.3, it's 11 point something uh, scholarships. I should have asked Chase. Um, he could have told me the exact number, but it's 11 point something, three, seven, somewhere in there, uh, when they have 35 players on the team. All right, so they're saying we're going to remove the cap, and now you can go, men's baseball can go 35 scholarships. All right, cool, that's really awesome. But there's this law called Title IX. All right, so every time you add a, add a male scholarship, now you're having to add another female scholarship. So let's do a little math here. So that's 23.3 additional scholarships that you're going to have to come up with, call it 24, for another sport. And so if you want to add, let's say the SEC comes in and says, hey, baseball, which it is, baseball is a big deal in the SEC, right? So we're going to go up to 35 scholarships. So now all these schools are going to have to add more sports where they add more scholarships to females, or they're going to have to cut a sport, a male sport that has scholarships. Now, I'm not saying they will ever do this, but it'd be like, okay, we're going to go to 35 in baseball, but we're going to cut our entire men's track team and have just women's track or something like that. But you have to have an equal number. It's not as simple as saying, hey, you can go up to, yeah, you can remove the cap, but you're going to have to manage your sports. You may have to add a sport, okay? Um, example, I've been there, and I didn't understand why at the beginning, uh, but early in my career, I'm at Arkansas State, and they add women's bowling as a sport, NCAA sport. So they could, you know, even out the Title IX. You see a lot of women's soccer, but now that's gotten so popular that almost every, you know, a lot of schools have women's soccer now. Used to not. You know, I remember when, uh, Auburn actually had just started their soccer team when I was there the first time when I was a student. And so you're seeing a lot of these, you know, if you don't have a gymnastics team, like Ole Miss, they don't have a gymnastics team. Maybe a great time. If you're going to add there, you need to add a gymnastics team. So Title IX still exists. And so the problem with this is, is this. If you remove the cap and you go to 35, guaranteed the SEC is going to 35 in baseball. But now you got to add more sports. So there's more cost than just the scholarship. We're talking about this is a – Multi, multi, multi-million dollar decision here. So money, two is this. Well, what about our good friends down at Monroe? 
Are they going to be able to? Are they going to be able to add thirty five? No, they're not going to be able to afford it. So now you're going to have this huge separation in the sport, like baseball. So you're going to have you know teams that are on thirty five scholarship players, and you're going to have teams that are on you know eleven, like they are now. So it's a mess. We're going to create again. It's something that hey, look, you know, y'all can go do it, but we don't care, and we're just we're making the the problem worse instead of making the problem better. Let's 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 do some other rules and make things better. But I like how they're just going to throw that out there and not realize that there's a bigger problem than just adding simply saying, okay, now you can put 35 on scholarship. It's not that easy. But they're not going to tell you that because they don't want anybody bitching. All right, here's the, here's the next one that's very interesting. And I know why they're doing this. Let me explain why they're doing this. Very similar to why we have the NIL rule right now. So here we go. This is NIL version number two right here. Getting rid of the number of coaches per team. Okay, so what that's saying is this is right now, if and any, any school has it. You know, our good friend Rich Rod has them at Jacksonville State. Everybody has them, okay? Analysts or off-the-field people, right? And so what they're saying is, is now those analysts and the people that are there can now coach. So instead of being called an offensive analyst or an offensive line analyst, it'll be set up like the NFL, where it's the assistant offensive line coach, okay? Or the you'll have the offensive line coach, and then you'll have the assistant offensive line coach instead of him being called quality control or analyst. And that those guys can now coach on the field and give instruction. Um, look, guys, this already occurs. Uh, the most broken law in the history of football. These guys still coach. When compliance comes out there, you just don't say anything. You sit there with your arms folded so you don't get caught. But when they leave, you're like, hey, look, look, when we're comboing up to the inside back or make sure you're scraping it. You know, you're coaching and giving coaching points on the side. Every university does it and you can't govern it. So this is their way, kind of like NIL. Hey, look, I know everybody's getting paid to play, so we're just going to do this NIL thing and kind of because we can't enforce them. This is another rule that they can't enforce, and so they think this is going to fix that. But just like we talk about all the time, when you make rules, we're going to find a way to use those rules to our advantage. So let me tell you what this is going to do. When you get rid of the number of coaches on the team and you can go do those things, you're going to have – you're turning this dead into the NFL. This is what it's going to be. Because now you're going to have full scouting departments, and I mean real scouting departments, where people like me, they're going – you're going to go hire a whole staff, and instead of your coaches going on the road recruiting, now the staff is. So you're basically going to have scouts. That's all they do is they go recruit kids. They don't coach a down. Their whole life is spent on the road very similar to NFL scouts because they have area scouts. They have the Southeast scout. They have the Northwest scout. Whatever it is, they have areas. That's what's going to occur. Okay, well, here we go. We're Again, we're widening the margin between the have and the have-nots. And you're going to have some guys that you would think that were in the part of the haves that are actually going to be in the part of the have-nots. You're going to have a lot of Power 5 schools that aren't going to be able to fund full departments like this and you're going to have some that have more money than they know what to do with can go fund everybody. They can go get the best of the best and it basically just out money everybody. And it's just widening the gap again. So, again, just another byproduct of a rule. The third thing is expanding direct payments from schools to athletes with the NIL structure and paying all that stuff. So, basically, the schools being able to pay players. Now, see, I think they're actually onto something here. I'm going to give them credit when they deserve it. This is probably their last straw of attempting, and I'm going to say attempting, to get the toothpaste back in the tube 
with the NIL and everything like that. That's, I spend, I know y'all listen to this and y'all listen to me talk about NIL and you spend about 15 minutes thinking about this. I spend a lot of time thinking about this because this is what I do. The only way that we're ever going to attempt to regulate this is we have to allow the schools to pay the players. That's it. That's how you're going to do it. Um, because at that point, there will be a finite number that will control all this. You're not going to have, if you if you say, you know, because, you know, the SEC schools are going to get their SEC money and that's what it is in the school. But as long as right now it's who's got the biggest booster that's willing to give the most money. and. If he's, I mean, you look at Elon Musk, the dude's got more money. Saw an interesting fact. He's got more money. He could literally buy every single professional sports franchise and still have $22 billion left. You know, you're going to, you got to, and if he wants to, like he just went and bought Twitter because he wanted to. You're going to have boosters. If they want to, they're just going to go buy players. And the cap is never going to end because it's, you know, who's got the biggest wallet contest. But the only way to put a cap on this and to control it before it gets out of control, it's already out of control, but any way to limit it is to allow the schools a direct payment from the schools to the players. And that way you can say, okay, almost like they did for cost of attendance, which is the first attempt at this, but raise the money. I was so excited that they got cost of attendance because I do think, or stipend, because I do believe players need to be paid. I do. I'm a believer. But let's, let's get it under control a little bit. Because you've got players, recruits that haven't played a down of football, they're getting paid more than these guys that just got drafted on Thursday and Friday. I think that's a little bit asinine, and it's not a sustainable model. So those three rules that I just said right there, the NCAA is basically going to allow the conferences to decide on those. All right? Now, the two rules that they're going to try to do, make it uniform, is they're going to reconfigure the recruiting calendar to where it's basically you have right now you have a quiet period, you have an evaluation period, you have a dead period, and you have a contact period. Okay, well, they want to reconfigure this thing to where it's basically a recruiting period and a dead period. There's just going to be two periods. And that sounds great. And I'm, I mean, that's awesome. But again, there has it can't be that simple. Because if you, you want to go out in the spring, um, and if you call that a recruiting period, now you're doing home visits in the spring and they're trying to do this to alleviate some of the travel and the wear and tear like we talked about with coaches burnout last week. And that's awesome. But if you do, if you make the recruiting period in the spring, you've just extended the contact period, which is the, the one that grinds you down. All right. So you, you, there's got to be a um, some there's got to be a little bit more defined than just saying, hey, we're recruiting and we're not recruiting. Um, you know, as dumb as it is with a quiet period and the evaluation period, yeah, there's too many names, but at the end of the day, you got to be careful in what you limit the guys on because if you make a rule where it's all go and it's stop, when it's all go, it's all go. And there's going to be more times during the year that you're going to be wanting to go all go than normal. And so you're basically extending the period, wearing more coaches down. So that probably needs to be thought about a little bit more than just saying yes or no. Um, and you better make sure and you better think it out. So if anybody at the NCAA is listening, please think it out because this is something, how you do that one's going, going to change. Coaches are going to stretch that one too. And then the last one that they're going to think they're going to do is try to do closed periods in the transfer portal. I think it's a great idea. Um, you're not going to get any blowback on that one. Great idea. Do it. Um, I do, like I've said the whole time, I think there needs to be 
one at the end of the uh, first semester, end of the second semester. That's it. That's your, those are your two periods. And if you're going to if you're going to transfer, you need to be able to transfer. Go in. You have that month of May. Most schools or a couple of weeks in May off where you have chance to go do what you need to do, and go um, and go enroll and get ready for the summer. And if you're a football player, you get with your new team and go and. You can do it again at the end of the season and, and go through spring ball. But those need to be the two periods, um, period, and close it up because it's just insane right now. Before we get into NIL, I'm going to bring a quick message from Cooper Chevrolet. Due to inventory shortages nationwide, the trend is now to pre-order your next new vehicle. Cooper Chevrolet Buick in Anniston is here to help with our new custom ordering service. Get the best pricing, the quickest availability, and save money by getting the exact trim and options you want. To learn more, visit cooperorder.com and find out why it's in your advantage to custom order your next new Chevy or Buick. That's cooperorder.com or call Cooper Chevy at 256-236-4481 for a free consultation today. All right. I guess we need to transfer the, uh, no pun intended, the transfer portal over to the NIL this week in NIL. It is. It's every single week something occurs crazy in NIL that it's just, it just ups it and takes it to the next level. Um, last week, we talked about um, John Ruiz and Life Wallet, uh, what they're doing in Miami, which is unbelievable. I mean, they're going, they're going to win. I'm just telling everybody right now, they're going to win. It's just a matter of time. They got resources and coaches and recruiters. It's a matter of time. And sure enough, I think it was either Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I don't know, after we taped, we had a basically a Twitter war of contract disputes and holdouts with Isaiah Wong, who is a uh, the best basketball player on Miami's basketball team. And so his agent says, hey, Isaiah is going to go in the transfer portal if he doesn't get basically more money from his NIL deal. I mean, this is on social media. And here's what happened. I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but so – the Kansas State basketball player transfers um, to Miami, and then all these recruits are coming in, and all this NIL money is being dealt out, dealt out, excuse me. And he's sitting there, and he's the best player on the team. Let's take him to the Elite Eight, and he's like, "Wait a minute, you know, I want, I want to up my salary." And so he basically threatens the transfer, which is literally verbatim what Nick Saban said the week before that, almost like he was Nostradamus or something predicting the future. Literally what Nick said the week before that everybody was bitching about happened at Miami. And there's nothing to stop these guys from doing this. There's nothing to stop it. And, I mean, what do you do? And so John Rees comes back on Twitter right back at him because he's not he's not scared to talk on Twitter, just so you guys know. He's actually a very fun follow. Uh, I'm, I enjoy the hell out of it because I think it's a great thing what they're doing down there. Um, he's like, look, we're not renegotiating the deal. I don't renegotiate. He'd already negotiated a deal, and so he's not going to renegotiate it. But whatever happened, <laughs> this was the other best part. They seemed to kiss and make up very quickly. Uh, he seemed to be doing a life uh, life wallet commercial uh, pretty quickly after that. Uh, but it it can get nasty and create. You know, it goes back to talking what coaches are talking about is how it creates this negative deal inside of a locker room to where if you got players that have been on your team for a while and you got these other guys coming in that aren't playing but are making millions of dollars, you know, what does it do to a locker room? What does it do to uh, the chemistry of a team? And so 
you know, you look at a guy like Bryce Young, I mean, this guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft. You don't think he could go get some NIL money from boosters? Now, he doesn't need it because he's getting everything. But all you have to do is go in the portal. And sure enough, another guy, this happened to football, Jordan Addison. Okay, for those of you who don't know who Jordan Addison is, he won the Bolitnikoff as the best wide receiver in college football. He played at Pitt. So he says he's going in the portal. Okay, and I have an update for you on that here in just a second. But he says he's going to go in the portal. Basically, just do the same thing. He wants to see what his market is. I mean, this guy's the Blitnikoff winner now. Okay, he can play. He will anybody that anybody that wants him. I mean, he will he will demand the market because he's that good of a player. Uh, he would have been in the draft, and he'd been he'd been right there with the rest of them and the wide receivers in the first round if he would have come out this year. But he's only a second year player, so he has one more year to go. Uh, he will be a first-round player this year. He's playing one year. You're getting one year out of this guy. And then what happens is all of a sudden there's rumors that USC, and they're rumors, I can't validate them, I've tried last two days, that he has a um, – but there's there's a lot of smoke. They've offered him basically a $3 million house and this package, NIL package, that's going to make him you know, very wealthy. Well, Narduzzi didn't like that, so he called Lincoln Riley up and confronted him on tampering. Uh, about his players. He didn't like that. And I think as coaches, we have to all be really careful of that. There's so much tampering going on. It's kind of like those in glass houses don't need to throw stones. And it may not be the head coach. And the head coaches may not have a clue about it. But there's probably somebody on every staff that's tampering at some level. Okay. And there's no way that anybody can say, well, we don't do it. Well, I'm not saying the head coaches are doing it by any stretch of the imagination. But there's a lot of people in these staffs that are. Um, and there's so much tampering going on, I would almost be shocked if somebody on the staff wasn't tampering, at least one person um, on every staff in America. But I'm just really um, surprised at this is where this is. This In one year, this is what we've done, and not even a calendar year yet. Not even a calendar year. I just want to remind everybody, this NIL stuff did not start until July 1 of last year. So we're not even a year into this deal. We're 10 months in, and this is where we're at. What's going to happen a year from now? What's going to happen two years from now? What's going to happen three, four, five years down the road? We're so far down this road that we're ruining the game. Because now, think about this. And this is what, there's no penalties for the players. There's no, and this is what I was referring to with what uh, Mike Leach was talking about the other day, is. A player can just say, you know what, I'm not making enough money. I'm leaving to where I can go leave and go get more money. Well, that's cool. But when coaches do that, and it's, and coaches do it all the time too. So I'm not saying, I mean, we're, let's talk about the coaching market, which is what everybody compares us to. But coaches have buyouts, and they have to pay all this money back to the schools. Players don't have buyouts. And so they're just, it's a free, it's a free market, man. They're, they're in and out. And there's no, there's no penalty. For a contract, essentially, is what you're signing. And so that makes for, uh, I mean, the NFL has it. That's why they have restricted free agents. They have regular free agents. And when you're under contract, you're under contract. But in sports, it doesn't work like that, or it, it's, it creates a cluster. And so you're, and when the rules are like that, you're going to have tampering. It's not going to quit because there's so much pressure for these coaches to win. Because if they don't win, they get fired right here, evidence of it. Okay, if you don't win, you're going to get fired. 
So if you're saying, hey, you're so you're telling me I can go talk to a high school coach and get this guy to come play for us so we don't get fired. Okay, sign me up for that shit. Sign me up. We'll go get we'll go get the best players out there. Sign me up. Oh, and oh, by the way, and we can pay them. Oh, I'm making some phone calls. Sign me up. Let's go get them. And so we're creating, we've created this environment to where, hey, hey, don't tamper. But look, you're gonna get fired if you don't win. I'm gonna win. I choose, I choose success. If you tell me I can go pay players legally and I can go tamper, not tamper, I'm gone. I'm going to get them. And that's just – and for the players, don't hate the players, though, because if it was your kid, you'd be telling them to do the same thing, too. I'm not, This isn't about the players. Go get all the damn money you can get. While the rules where they are, go get every damn dime you can get. Every dime. Because you're looking – there was the draft. Everybody saw the draft this weekend, right? How many players that you thought were great college players didn't get drafted? A bunch. We had one right here in Oxford that was a five-star. Didn't get drafted. Okay? Didn't get drafted. He's probably going to get $50,000 and an opportunity to go play somewhere. Get every dime you can get while you can get it. And if there's any player listening to this, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. Every human being, you know, that's ever played this game, we all get told we can't play anymore. Some get told sooner than others, but we all get told. Okay? Everybody gets told. So while you can get it, go get it. And you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Anything can happen. Get every dime you can get. But from a rules and regulations standpoint, if we continue down the road that we're going, we are we will destroy this game. Destroy it to where it cannot be repaired. And I want to and and but we're just right now we're going like, hey, I'm going to form a committee to try to solve the problem with people who have never done it before. But, you know, here's what I'm going to do. And I, I got a great idea. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a rocket ship, and I'm going to get a couple of football coaches to go build it. It makes no sense. Get people that know what they're doing in place to make these rules. If you want to fix something, how about let's ask the people who are in the business or put them on the committees. Not, not a university, and no disrespect, university presidents, you get there for a reason. Okay? But do your job. That's why if, if university presidents knew so much about damn football, they'd be coaching football because they make more money coaching football. Has everybody ever thought about that? You think if the university president was so damn good at making football decisions, he'd be a football coach, making 10 times as much money. Go do that. Uh, but they're ruining the game. Hopefully they get it under control. And uh, unique unique thing with Jordan Addison, though, is I checked. I won't, I won't, I won't throw him out there, but I did call a – uh, university. He is not in the portal. Never has gone in the portal. Now, why is that significant? Because May the 1st was the deadline to go in the portal uh, to be eligible for next season. I didn't call one school. I called two schools. He is not in the portal. Now, I was told this, as long as he has sent an email to compliance notifying them of his intention before May the 1st, it will still be okay. But as of that would have been noon today, noon on Monday, May the 2nd. He was not in the portal. Um, and I got, I'll got i have some more portal numbers for you next week. I got some guys running some numbers on the portal for me. Um, but as of noon today, he was not in the portal. So that's pretty significant. So hopefully he, if he has plans to go in the portal, he did notify him because that would be a shame that he would not be eligible for next season. Make sure you follow us on Home Visit uh, Siski on Twitter. Uh, also on YouTube, make sure you check us out on YouTube, Home Visit with Tyler Siskin and Associates on YouTube channel. And uh, MPW Digital, we're on there with Neil and Chase and the guys there. 
Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe, leave us our, I like to say three-star review, but I guess since we got uh, advertisers now, I have to say give us a five-star so they'll start looking at that stuff. And also, more importantly, share it with your friends. Let's get some more Let's get some more listeners on here. I like we're growing this thing. Uh want to get moved with you guys and uh, make sure word of mouth, pass along that you uh, like the episode. And uh, until next time, take care. Thank you.